This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Uh, coming up on African News Tonight, the UN says more than 160 civilians have been killed in South Sudan's Upper Nile State over four months. Somalia and Ethiopia top a watch list of countries most likely to face worsening crisis next year. And Morocco plays France with a place in the World Cup final at stake. We'll have these stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Nearly 50 leaders from Africa are here in Washington for the U.S.-Africa Summit. Climate change and the environment are among the main issues. Yesterday, the U.S. State Department held a forum on conservation, climate adaptation, and just transition, which my VOA colleague Heidi Adams moderated. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said, as the world battles climate change, the focus must be on the African continent. As we know, 17 of the world's 20 most climate-vulnerable countries are on the African continent. Four straight years of drought in the Horn of Africa have left more than 18 million people facing severe hunger. Communities across the continent are feeling the impact of a changing climate. Severe storms have battered southern Africa. Surging temperatures kindled wildfires in northern Africa. Rising seas threaten lives and livelihoods on island nations, while extreme weather events in central Africa worsen already dire uh, food crises and fuel tensions that feed and fuel violent conflict. Uh, We know that African nations have contributed relatively little uh, to this crisis, but are disproportionately harmed by it. It's both unfair and unrealistic to ask them to turn their backs on economic development and opportunity in the name of a clean energy transition. U.S. Representative Gregory Meeks, who is chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, said he has pushed to put Africa at the top of the climate change agenda. He said he strongly endorsed the creation of a loss and damage fund for developing nations at the recent COP27 climate summit. The establishment of this this fund sends an important signal that we acknowledge and take responsibility for the harms that brought us where we are today. Another important step we are taking is to ensure that that a small group of wealthy countries responsible for most global emissions are are transitioning from fuels as quickly, fossil fuels as quickly as possible. We're working to make sure they and we do this while doing more to help low-income countries avoid long-term fossil addiction, including through increased financing and ensuring that there is private investment that will benefit the people of Africa, especially the youth, creating jobs and opportunity in renewable energy, which is where we are headed in the future. For more on the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit, check out voasafrica.com and stay tuned to all your favorite VOA programs. Standard Bank, the largest bank in Africa, hosted a breakfast in Washington yesterday on the sidelines of the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit in support of the Africa Women's Impact Fund Initiative. Lindeka Zidze, 
is executive head for strategic partnerships for Standard Bank. She tells VOA's Carol Van Dam the initiative's purpose is to overcome systemic barriers and build an investor biases by enabling women-owned and women-led funds in Africa and empower women financial leaders to drive growth on the continent. Women tend to do better in terms of if you're a bank, you know, if you look at how they pay back their loans, the NPL scores are better for women than they are for men. And there's always seems to be a multiplier effect for women. Also in the fund management businesses, you've seen a lot more performance that seems to come out of there. And also look at the during COVID, which countries fared better? Mostly those that were led by women presidents. So how specifically is Standard Bank helping women get started in running their own businesses and people like you, you know, who are women at uh, at Standard Bank and other banks in Africa? Internally first, it starts at home. So the Standard Bank, currently you have 42% of senior women that are in the leadership space and 36 that are coming through, six at the board level, and our chair is a woman. And we have serious ambitions for the next coming years. How this is done, we've partnered. So the, the African Women Impact Fund, it is an initiative of the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa and its partners. That is the Office of the AU of the Special Envoy Women and Peace and Security, UN Women and others. Everything that is really required in the middle office, it allows them to focus on what they need to do. And it also creates a pipeline of others that will eventually be more off instead of just five. We've heard a lot about the permitting process. A lot of governments put on these extra bureaucratic type of uh, measures that they have to meet. Will your bank be able to step in and kind of streamline that for women who are trying to get started? So we're taking away that pain of actually having to build what you require to be an established BlackRock because you don't have that facility. We know as banks, we've experienced that. The cost of complying with regulation has been humongous. It's actually draining. It's actually literally squeezing um, your, your, your profits, your margins. So actually being able to do that for businesses, for women businesses, makes them to be able to focus more on their businesses. And it takes away that, uh, that uh, big, big, big challenge that is necessary. So you can focus your mind on what everybody else who's sitting at BlackRock or anywhere else is doing. You've been doing this for a while, obviously. Give us one example of how that works when the bank steps in and and helps a woman so that she doesn't have to worry about all those regulations on her own. I want to be clear that the bank, we sponsored this. We partnered with the Media Advisors, which is an implementation partner for trade and investment for USAID on their mission on the continent. And we partnered with the stakeholders that I've mentioned. So we operationalizing, but we've brought in an expert in the fund manager space because that's not our game, right? So we've brought in the investment manager that is Restura. So what it means is that not only do we provide the right ecosystem that an enabling environment, but the bank is stepping in because while women are setting up their businesses, there's costs that they need, like working capital. So we have the foundation, that way we can provide grants. Plus also the bank is part of that, does that business. We also have our equity finance team that can also come in into this space. But more than that, you're going to find that within Standard Bank, we've got programs that we run across the continent. We've got Dada in Kenya. We've got Akananzi in Zambia. We're doing another one in uh, Tanzania. And we're looking to scale these. We've partnered with IFC across the continent.
besides what, what you're doing as as the bank management goes, the bank side of it, do the women have to meet certain benchmarks that participate in this? Yes, they have to. So you have where it's like any other business. So it's not like a special Olympics club. So the multi-manager business looks after any other business. Doesn't matter what gender you are, looks after all of them. It's just that there's a specific focus in supporting women. That's Lindeka Zidze, Executive Head uh, for Standards Bank Strategic Partnerships in Johannesburg and Chair of the Africa Women's Impact Fund Initiative. She was speaking with my colleague, Carol Van Dam. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights says more than 160 civilians have been killed and over 230 others injured in South Sudan's Upper Nile State during the last four months of violence. Volker Turk says he is appalled by attacks on civilians and urged a quick end to the bloodshed. For VOA News, Waki Simen Wudu reports from Juba. The UN Human Rights Commissioner, Voka Taka, said in a statement released from Geneva earlier today that authorities need to take urgent action to contain the situation and prevent the conflict from spreading. Tak says fighting between community-based militias over the past four months is worsening the state of human rights abuses in the area. Speaking from Nairobi, Saif Magango, spokesperson in the office of the United Nations Human Rights Commission, says the UN body wants to see a quick turnaround from government authorities to stop the violence. Violence that leads to dozens of people being killed in only four months, uh, hundreds of injuries and thousands of people being uh, having to flee their homes for safety is violence of a great magnitude. And uh, of course, we've seen violence in South Sudan before, uh, arising from conflicts regarding pasture, regarding uh, resources. The UN Human Rights Office says it is particularly concerned about what appears to be deliberate targeting of civilians, adding that many South Sudanese have been killed and injured. Tak says civilians have been subjected to forced displacement by the threat of the violence and that increased insecurity has slowed the delivery of urgent life-saving humanitarian support. South Sudan's Army spokesperson Major General Lul Rai Kwong insists the government has taken measures to contain the situation by deploying troops to the epicenter of the violence. Things are not out of hand. We had started seeing positive uh, impact on the deployment of our forces as indicated by the retreat of the White Army from shallow areas that includes Pachoda and Panyakang to the areas of origin. So it is an indication that the deployment we did uh, is creating an, a positive impact. General Kwong says it's just a matter of time before the situation in Upper Nile is brought under control. He could neither agree nor disagree with the casualty figures reported by the UN saying the government forces had no access to the area at the time the fighting broke out. For VN News, Amwake Simon Wudu in Juba. Inflation in Ghana increased to 50% in November, 10 points higher than the month before. 
Reuters Newswire says the spike comes after a staff-level agreement with the International Monetary Fund for a $3 billion package to stabilize the economy and reduce debt. Housing, water, gas and electricity were hit the hardest, with prices up by nearly 80%. Food inflation was up by nearly 50%, however. Fuel prices have fallen this month, which economists say could lower transport costs in December. The government has cut spending and raised interest rates so far unsuccessfully to tame inflation. Observers say Ghana is battling its worst economic crisis in years. The International Rescue Committee says Somalia and Ethiopia top a list of countries that are likely to encounter worsening crisis next year. The finding was included in the group's annual watch list of 20 countries, including 11 from Africa, that face food insecurity and often conflict. Reuters notes that Somalia faces a two-year drought, an Islamic insurgency, and a cutoff of wheat supplies from Ukraine and Russia. The IRC says 20 million people in Ethiopia face hunger due to the war between the federal government and the Tigray region. The head of the IRC, David Melban, says many wealthy countries are focusing on themselves and not doing enough to provide the relief. However, he did praise the United States, which supplies 90% of aid to Somalia. Other African countries on the IRC's emergency watch list include Democratic Republic of Congo, South Sudan, Central African Republic, and Burkina Faso. A South African researcher has developed a way to remove contaminants from water used in mining that could help clean up the dirty industry. The award-winning ion exchange method not only cleans the water, but captures polluting metals that can then be repurposed. Linda Giftash reports from Johannesburg. That's the sound of clean water dripping from a test filtration system into a beaker. At a Johannesburg laboratory, researchers from the University of the Witwatersrand have developed a way to clean acid mine drainage, or AMD. AMD is the runoff of pollutants like sulfuric acid and heavy metals that secrete into waterways, affecting wildlife and rural communities. AMD is often found at gold and coal mines, which are plentiful in South Africa. Tamla Naidu is a postdoctoral research fellow involved in the project. What we wanted to do is minimize environmental impact for a lot of these communities that are afflicted by AMD. They've been born into mining communities, they work in mining communities, they're either scared to report it or to complain about it because this is their livelihood. The ion exchange filtration system that Naidu and her colleagues have developed uses countless polystyrene beads, each the size of a pinhead, which the water passes through. Unlike a coffee filter, which physically blocks coffee grounds from passing through with water, the beads grab the contaminants in the water chemically. The passing water, which can be scaled up to clean 1,000 liters in an hour, then comes out clear. Ed Hardwick is the owner of Quenga Technologies, which is a partner in the research. This project, though, it does something extra. It also wants to extract from the waters valuable materials. So what has been identified in some of these streams especially coal mining streams, is that the acid that's produced from these mine waters actually dissolves out some rare earth metals. Rare earth metals are in huge demand globally because they can be used in new technology like electric vehicles. Being able to extract them adds a financial incentive to cleaning up AMD. 
Naidu says she hopes that this can empower communities by monetizing the extracted materials from the AMD. Ultimately, from this project, we want community members to be involved in something that's easy for them to operate, that they can extract value from and, and start you know, seeing the value that companies have been taking out of the land and taken away from them and, I guess, adding to their quality of life. A method to clean up AMD that can be monetized would be good news for the government and communities that are now burdened with the costly task. Tarasai Muganyani is an attorney with the Center for Environmental Rights in Johannesburg. If this is going to be an incentive, it should be on the incentive of the state and that any monies that are obtained from the separation of those minerals that can be repurposed, that can be used, is then fed back into one rehabilitation, but also two into creating sustainable economies for the communities that are impacted. Researchers say they are hopeful their filtration system, which can be adapted to clean the unique chemistry of AMD at any site, will soon be adopted widely. It has already gained international attention, with Naidu taking the first prize for emerging talent breakthroughs at the Falling Wall Science Summit in Berlin last month. Naidu said several companies in mining and technology sectors have contacted her about becoming involved. Linda Giftash for VOA News, Johannesburg. And as mentioned earlier, the Africa-U.S. Leaders Summit is in full swing right here in Washington, D.C., and VOA's Peter Clote is standing by live to update us uh, from where the summit is going on, the Washington Convention Center. Welcome to African News Tonight, Peter. Thank you very much, A.S. Glad to be on your show. So briefly, a very busy day for you, Peter. So tell us, talk to us about President Biden and Sierra Leone. Well, the latest development, according to the Sierra Leonean Foreign Minister, uh, Professor Francis, is that the U.S. president will be hosting the Sierra Leonean president. He tells me that it is a big uh, initiative for them because it gives credibility to the efforts they have made in terms of ensuring freedom of speech, in terms of repealing the criminal libel law, in terms of repealing the death penalty, among other issues. So they are very excited about it. Uh, And then I also just finished speaking with Ms. Amy Holman, who is the uh, U.S. State Department Assistant Secretary for uh, African Affairs. She just told me that the U.S. government will soon announce uh, Johnny Carson, the former U.S. Assistant Secretary for uh, of State for African Affairs, asked the special representative to be to be doing the follow-up after this summit to ensure that everything else, the deals that were signed, are properly established and being implemented. So that is the latest development here. Um, I would also add that there was a deal signed uh, that would see $150 million being invested in Zambia. The president of Zambia is excited. Uh, They helped uh, the... Mines Minister of Zambia, uh, who represents the Chilombombe constituency where the uh, funds will go, is also very excited about job creation for his people, among other things. So these are the latest developments here at the moment. That was a great scoop, Peter. So VOA's Peter Cloti live at the Convention Center covering the U.S.-Africa Summit. Thank you for your input. Thank you. And now for World Cup highlights, we have standing by to brief us World Cup matters. Host of VOA Sunny Side of Sports, Sunny Young. Welcome to African News Tonight, Sunny. 
Sporty World Cup greetings. Yeah, hey, it's always good to be on Africa News tonight. So, Sonny, France is looking to eliminate tournament surprise Morocco in the World Cup semifinals in Qatar, while Lionel Messi's Argentina lies in wait. Well, let me give a shout-out for Lionel Messi, Yeheas, on uh, Tuesday's Africa News tonight. I said it was, I predicted a close match. It was not a close match. Argentina cruised to a 3-0 victory over Croatia, and Messi was a maestro out there, Yeheas. Just a wonderful performance. In fact, some are saying maybe the best performance of Messi's record-tying 25 appearances At the World Cup, he had a goal, and he was also part of Argentina's two other goals, uh, which were scored by Julian Alvarez. So now Argentina trying to, uh, I guess they're going to play a waiting game. They wait to see whether they play surprise package Morocco or defending World Cup champion France. Keep in mind, Yeheas, the Moroccans, have already knocked out some very good European teams. In the knockout round, they beat Spain, the 2010 World Cup champion. They followed that up by beating Portugal. Earlier in group play, they drew scoreless draw with Croatia. So I don't think they're intimidated at all by the French. However, the Moroccan coach, Walid Regragui, does have some injury concerns. Uh, A lot of question marks whether the captain of the Atlas Lions of Morocco, Romain Face, will play this evening. Uh, He was stretchered off against the Portuguese, and there there are reports that he might not play against the French. But, uh, yeah, this is is an epic match in many ways, Yehaeus. The Atlas Lions have not just the support of Moroccan fans, but they have the support of Arab fans and African football fans all over the world. They have really captured the imagination of a lot of football fans, Yeheas. Sonny, combining uh, power, speed, clinical finishing, Mbappe is one of the best players on the planet. He remains the tournament's top scorer to date with five goals from, from as many games. Can, can, can Morocco contain him? That should be a great matchup. He's going to go up against his uh, PSG uh, uh, teammate, uh, Ashraf Hakimi, for Morocco. And uh, Hakimi has said he's looking forward to the matchup. Yeheas. Just one uh, World Cup statistical point, uh, Lionel Messi with his penalty kick goal on Tuesday. He's now equal with uh, Mbappe for the goal-scoring lead with five goals overall in the tournament. So we'll see whether Mbappe will uh, perhaps score a goal tonight. But you know what? He's going to have to go up against that very, very solid Moroccan defense, which uh, has conceded only one goal, an own goal against Canada. So Mbappe is going to have his work cut out for him. So we just have to be consistent here and say, go Morocco. (laughs) (laughs) Go Morocco. Yes, go Atlas Lions. I think they are many. They are the sentimental favorite. Uh, uh, The French, however, they are the defending World Cup champions. But, uh, yeah, it should be a great match. And, again, that match kicks off uh, in just over uh, a half hour, just over 30 minutes.
Thank in you. Qatar. Thank you, Sonny, for your input again. Thank you, Yaheas. Always good to be on Africa News tonight. And that wraps up this edition of Africa News Tonight. I'm Yaheas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokabilia Baro, and our engineer, Bob Bass, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.